Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of Eating for Energy and Weight Loss. I am your host, Rita Haddad, holistic psychotherapist, naturopathic healer, and author. And I'm here today with another fantastic episode to impart some knowledge upon you to help you reclaim your power over food, reclaim your health, and begin healing from the inside out because I truly believe that your body knows exactly what to do to heal itself if given the right opportunity and in the right circumstances. So this podcast is all about um, eating right for your body, for your chemistry, choosing the foods that feel good to you, rekindling your relationship with food, body, and weight, taking back power from food so that you don't feel consumed, powerless, helpless, um, help you to avoid eating patterns that are harmful or hurtful to you, such as binge eating, overeating, mindless snacking, um, obsession with weight, obsession with body, body image dysmorphia, body image disorder, all of the above, and so much more. This podcast encompasses a whole lot of things that have to do with giving you knowledge and giving you power and helping you to learn to decode the signals that your body is sending you so that you can reclaim your power, right? So that you can begin to heal from the inside out without the aid of unnecessary medicine, unless it's medicine from the earth. Now, there are some circumstances where Western medicine is necessary, and I am not saying not to go seek your doctor when it is necessary, but I believe that Western medicine should not be your first line of defense. I believe that we have everything we need here on the earth and we have lost our way and we have forgotten how to use it. And so my goal and my purpose in my business and in the way that I help people to heal and in this podcast especially is to teach people that everything we need is here and I'm going to help you learn how to use it effectively in your life according to you, your personality, your health, your body, your circumstances, and your lifestyle. Because, my friends, the healing journey is a personal one. It's unique to each of us, and it is not something that is one-size-fits-all. So my goal here today is to get you thinking about your own situation, your own circumstances, your body, your health, and your experiences, and to be able to apply this information specifically to you. And remember, this is a judgment-free zone, and that means I am not judging you And I'm also asking you, please not to judge yourself. This is a safe space where you can learn the information, write it down, and take what applies to you and do the work to apply it. Save the rest for later in your back pocket, and someday when you need it and you are ready for it, you will have it. And if not, revisit the podcast. If you are enjoying the stuff that I'm teaching here, if you're enjoying this episode or any of the other past episodes, please, please, I would appreciate a five-star review and also share with your family and friends because if we all did our part to spread the news to others as often as possible, just think if you could help one person to heal themselves, even if it's by directing them to this podcast or directing them to my website, 
then you are doing your part. And if that person can help just one person, and if that person can help just one person, then eventually we can spread the news and the information and we can get people off of the bandwagon of band-aid medicine and guilt and shame medicine, which is what's keeping people trapped in the medical institution. And they're coming home sicker and in more pain and with fewer answers than ever before in the history of the world. So do your part, my friends. I'm doing my part and I'm asking you to help do your part to spread the word by sharing this episode or any of the other episodes. Share this this podcast, this show with anyone in your life who you feel could benefit from any of this information, anyone who might be struggling, someone who's looking for more answers, and um, encourage them to listen to any of the past episodes and see where they can be guided in their own lives to rectify their own health. I appreciate you and I thank you for being here, my friends. So let's get started. Today, I am doing part two of the Blue Zones. Now, the Blue Zones, if you have not listened to last week's episode, the Blue Zones are areas around the world I believe there's nine where people are living well into the well into their hundreds, free from sickness, free from disease, they're happy, they're healthy, and they're dying literally of natural causes, like their body just can no longer live anymore. There's no such thing as cancer in these communities, um, or very, very few. Very few, very few incidences of cancer, heart disease, obesity, um, sickness. Um, these these people, they're cons- they're communities where there's a higher concentration of people living a whole lot longer. And so, some doctors have taken it upon, taken it upon themselves to study these communities and understand, hey, what are they doing that the rest of the world can learn from? And they've come up with nine crossover ideas. So nine things that are in common across all or most of these communities that they're saying, hey, that these are the things these nine communities are doing that are helping people to live longer. And they're being backed up by science. This is why these things are working. So there's this whole movement um, teaching people how to create their own blue zone communities right there at home where they live. And they give you instruction of how to do it. And they've printed books and they've got a great website and they provide recipes and there's cookbooks and there's all these different things that can help you to rectify your health according to the Blue Zone way of living. So this is a book that I discovered about five years ago, I would say 2017, 2018. And I read it and I enjoyed it and hey, hey, it made a lot of sense. Um, And so I shared with you last week the nine principles that are across the communities that make the Blue Zones work. And I'm sharing with you today the one potent principle that stood out to me the most when I began venturing into understanding the Blue Zones and their way of living. And this is something that is parallel or relevant to what I'm teaching on this podcast and the way that I help clients to disband from that diet mentality. And that is harahachibu. Harahachibu. I'll say it again. It's Japanese. Harahachibu. Now, harahachibu is a Confucius teaching that translates quite literally to eat until you are eight parts full. Or in other words, belly 80% full. Let me say it again, my friends. Belly 80% full. So this teaching instructs us to only eat 
until the early stages of fullness, as opposed to the later or well past the later stages of fullness. So this teaching is still being applied heavily today in Okinawa, Japan, which is one of the nine blue zones in the world. Okinawa has currently the world's highest proportion of centenarians, meaning the highest number of people per capita who are living well into their hundreds. Now I'm talking 123, 124, 127 years old. Um, in the world. So about 50 out of every 100,000 people is living to be 100 years old or older, which is pretty incredible because you figure in a place that has 300,000 people, that's 150 people who are over 100 years old, which is just mind-blowing, fascinating. So it's thought that harahachibu, eating until 80% full, that it's thought that what makes it so successful is not just the caloric restriction aspect of it, because science has shown us that caloric restriction can be beneficial for us because it, it allows your body not to have to work as hard. And I can get into more of that later in this episode or in another episode if necessary. But it's thought to aid in the delay of stomach stretching, which um, helps to signal satiety. Satiety is feeling satisfied with your meal. And so what ends up happening is when your stomach becomes too stretched, it's unable to signal the correct hormones to say, hey, I'm done eating. You go beyond that point and it's easy for you to continue eating. Not only that, but once your stomach is stretched, it takes about, it takes three meals to permanently stretch your stomach, three meals of overeating to permanently stretch your stomach. And it takes about three weeks of undereating to shrink it back down. So the result of not practicing harahachibu is a constant stretching of your stomach which in turn increases the amount of food that you need to feel full. And so this is why it's easier to keep eating more and more and more. It's almost like a drug, right? So you get that high, and then the next time you get that high, you feel like you need just a little bit more just to get above that edge because that high no longer does it for you. So you get just a little more, and then the next time you get just a little more than that, and you get so much until you're in trouble with the drug. The drug has killed you or, you know, something worse. And the same principle follows with the stomach stretching, right? So the more you stretch your stomach, the more you eat, the more you stretch, and the more you stretch, the more food you need to fill your stomach. And then the more you fill your stomach, the more you continue to stretch it and so on and so forth. Harahachibu is a painless form of calorie restriction. And it's not attached to a diet mentality. And my friends, I believe that that's the biggest part of what makes it successful is that these people are not eating to 80% fullness because they're saying, oh, I need to lose weight. Oh, I, you know, my doctor recommended I need to cut back and oh, I need to shrink my stomach down. I'm going to only eat until 80% full. That is what makes 
calorie restriction so painful. That's what makes it so difficult. It's that deprivation mentality, that mentality that we must suffer or endure pain and punish ourselves in order to get the desired results achieved. Harahachibu has nothing to do with any of that. It is simply take what you need and save the rest for later. Eat until 80% full. When you're 80% full, your stomach is physically at a full capacity without being stuffed. And yet you don't have that uncomfortable, stuffed, stretched, full feeling. You don't have that heavy feeling in the core of your body, drawing all your attention there and making it difficult for you to concentrate on the basic act of living. No, when you eat to 80% fullness, you are just full enough that you think, hmm, I could probably eat more, but if I ate more, I might get too full. And I can definitely stop because I no longer have hunger pangs. I no longer feel hungry. And if I stop now, I can be hungry again at the right time for my next meal as opposed to feeling uncomfortably full and spending the next two hours so uncomfortable until that feeling in my stomach goes away and then lo and behold, I'm not hungry for my next meal and then it throws all of your meal times off. So harahachibu is actually quite deep, my friends. It's quite deep and it has so much to do with the lessons that I'm teaching here and that's exactly why I pulled it out of the blue zones because it's something that I think everybody needs to know and this is just a great way of showing you that this concept works and it is not isolated. It is not something specific to me that I am only teaching. This is something that's been proven worldwide to have beneficial effects and it all starts with your attitude about food and your attitude about health, which I will get into next week. So stay tuned for that. Um, Harahachibu is a concept that I highly recommend each of you begin thinking about, right? So it's a large leap to ask you to begin incorporating it right away, but begin thinking about it and begin making mental notes about it at your very next snack or meal. And once you begin thinking about it, it will be much easier for you to recognize that place of 80% fullness in your body. And then it will be easier for you to begin eventually stopping at that 80% full. It's a tiered effect, right? So I'm not asking you to jump right into the concept, but I'm asking you to begin bringing awareness to it and to slowly make your way into bringing it into how you eat and into your perspective and your mentality around food, body, weight, and health. So when we eat, it takes your brain about 20 minutes to register that food has been consumed. Once it's registered that a meal or a snack has been consumed, it signals your endocrine system to release ghrelin, which is a fullness hormone. The release of ghrelin, the fullness hormone, signals leptin, the satiety hormone. The satiety hormone is what tells your brain, okay, I've had enough, which then in turn tells your body, okay, stop eating, you've had enough. It takes approximately 20 minutes or more for all of this to happen. Now I want you to sit down the next time you eat and make a mental note of what time it is before you begin and what time it is when you push your plate away. 
And I can take a guess that for most of us, myself included, right? I'm on this journey just like you. I am no better or no different than you. Um, For most of us, we eat far quicker than 20 minutes. We can consume an entire meal and the meal can be lost upon us, meaning we're not aware of the flavor, the texture, the smell, the appearance, the color, the placement on the plate, or any of the visual or sensual experience of the meal. And it takes It takes all of those things for our brain to recognize that food is being consumed and for it to signal all the correct hormones that are necessary. So let me get into these hormones for just a moment to give you an understanding of why this is important. Leptin and ghrelin are signaling hormones that communicate with the part of your brain, which is really only about the size of a pea, right? The pea that you eat, the little green pea. Um, the region in the brain that regulates appetite and satiety or satisfaction with your meal. This part of your brain is called the hypothalamus. It's a powerhouse for life. It regulates all your processes ranging from the circadian rhythm and homeostasis, so such as body temperature, fevers to combat sickness, to your endocrine function, which is your hormones and your appetite, which are closely related. If you consider your hormonal system like an upside down triangle, your hypothalamus would be the widest part across the the top of the triangle and it trickles down all the crucial information regarding your hormonal system to each of your specific organs that regulate your hormones all the way down to the point at the bottom. It's in constant communication with your central nervous system, which is the part of your body that is your brain and your spinal cord and makes up all the nerve system that spreads out to each part of your body. So leptin, the satiety hormone, is produced by your fat cells. Your fat cells basically tell your brain there's enough fat stored up in case of a famine, so we no longer need any more calories to produce more fat. We have enough. Signal leptin. We've had enough. We're satisfied. Signal leptin. Signal the shutdown of appetite. Signal ghrelin to shut down the appetite. Stop eating. Okay? It takes 20 minutes for leptin to be signaled, approximately, because that's how long it takes the brain to do its job to then be in communication with the fat cells to know that it's ready to shut down. Okay, so basically the fat cells say we have enough fat stored up in the event of a famine. We no longer need any more calories to be taken in. Signal the correct hormones to shut down appetite and inform our host human that it's okay to stop eating. Okay, so that's the nutshell version. Leptin is actually a master hormone that controls all other hormones, including insulin. In your brain are leptin sensors, which act as a meter for your fat stores. I've already explained how this works. When you eat a poor quality diet, you can dull your brain's sensitivity to leptin. This is called leptin resistance. This leads to excessive fat stores. So in other words, the little pockets 
that are designed to receive leptin in your brain, become, they are basically put to sleep by a poor quality diet. So the leptin is coming and it's looking for these sensors and the sensors are snoozing on the job. So it never releases the correct hormones to shut down your appetite and it causes you to desire to continue eating, which leads then to excessive fat. Your brain essentially never gets the message that there's enough fat stored up or calories consumed to maintain that desired amount of fat. So it revs up your appetite and calls you to eat more. Because the release of leptin sends a signal to your brain that you're full and satisfied with what you've eaten, it's crucial that your receptors are leptin sensitive, which means they require just enough leptin to signal fullness and satiety, basically meaning they are awakened. The way to increase in leptin sensitivity is to eat a varied diet high in fiber-rich carbohydrate sources. So things like non-starchy vegetables, like cruciferous vegetables, uh, cauliflower, broccoli, things like that, um, uh, cabbage, things like that. Um, th uh, vegetables such as cucumbers, mushrooms, and celery. Um, it's important to eat protein, lean, organic, grass-fed protein if you're eating animal proteins, or dried beans and legumes if you're not eating animal proteins. And of course, healthy fats. Please, my friends, don't be afraid of the word fat. Healthy fats are so crucial. They are actually called essential fatty acids because they are essential to our function. We need them. Healthy fats are found in things like avocado, nuts and seeds, olive oil, and I mean really high quality olive oil. You can taste the greenness of the olive oil. That's good olive oil. That's what you want. And it's expensive. Um, and coconut oil and quinoa are all very good examples of healthy fats. Some of these may seem more affordable than others. You do what you can according to your budget and your lifestyle. And of course, according to what you like and what you desire and what you eat. But my friends, I'm asking you to have an open mind and branch out and try to eat some things that you are not familiar with eating. So for example, buy a small bag of quinoa if it's not something you're used to eating and look up a few good recipes and find new ways to eat it and see if it's something you want to bring into your lifestyle and into your way of eating. Um, it just takes one or two recipes that end up being really, really good for you to really change the way you eat and for you to change your health. Um, and if you have one recipe that you ended up not liking, I encourage you to seek out another until you use up all of that quinoa. I encourage you to keep trying. And not just with quinoa, right? So mushrooms, for example, or celery, or dried beans. If these are things you're not used to eating, if you feel like you don't have a taste for them, find new ways of preparing them, new ways of chopping them, new ways of cooking them, new ways of serving them um, that can help you and benefit you. And please don't give up after just one try. My friends, all of this is to say that harahachibu should be something that you consider bringing into your own life. It should be a way of eating, a way of living that you bring into your own life. And it is quite simple when you think about it. It's not complicated. There's no diet plan to follow. There are no specific recipes. There are no exotic ingredients. You don't have to spend any money, you don't have to buy any books, and you don't have to ascribe to any specific diet plan that's out there. All you have to do is decide that you're going to begin 
paying more attention to your body while you're eating. You're going to begin paying more attention to your meal. And you're going to remind yourself, Harahachibu, HHB. If that's easier to remember, HHB, by all means, go for it. Harahachibu, eat until eight parts are full. Or eat until your belly is 80% full. Bring your awareness to your body, recognizing when 80% fullness happens. And just as a reminder, 80% fullness is when you're at that place when you're thinking, I can definitely go for seconds. I can definitely eat more. However, I'm no longer feeling hungry. That's the perfect place to stop. And just as an aside, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Your body signals you at 80% full. Most people will burp. Some people will hiccup. But there will be some signal, and it's up to you to slow down enough to recognize that signal. And when you have that signal, that's your cue to stop right then and there in that moment. Stop and say, Harahachibu, I'm 80% full. I'm going to stop. And it takes some time. It takes some time. You'll find yourself saying, I really want more. I desire more. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I'm still feeling hungry. Oh, a hundred thousand things. But when you stop in that place, eventually and in time, it'll take a few weeks, you'll feel full and you'll feel satisfied and you will feel so much better in the hours after eating. You'll have more energy, you'll have more focus, you'll have more calm, you'll be more stable, you'll feel more balanced, you'll sleep better, you'll eat better, you'll make better choices, you'll be hungry again at your next meal, you'll no longer desire snacking between meals, you'll no longer crave sweets. I can go on and on and on on a whole nother episode just about all of the after effects of Harahachibu. So I encourage you, my friends, to eat with gusto, with awareness, with love for yourself, with with compassion for yourself, with awareness for your meal, awareness of your body, and most importantly, with harahachibu. I am signing off for another fantastic episode. Up until next week, we'll be talking about mentality and perspective around food, body, and weight and how powerful the mind and the thoughts can be around food, body, and weight and how it can affect you, affect your ability to lose weight, affect your health, and affect the choices that you make. If you des- if you um, enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more, I encourage you to come back next week. Give me a five-star review and share this episode and this show with your friends and anyone that you think could benefit from it. I really appreciate you. Visit me at SantaAnimalWellness.com. The link is in the show notes. Visit me at SantaAnimalWellness.com. Send me a note. Ask me your questions. Share with me your story. And I love to hear from you. So don't be shy. Thanks for joining me on another episode. And I will catch you next week with mentality and perspective. See ya. Have a good day.